because collaboration is such a beautiful thing when you yeah. know how to bring out the best in the people around you. And by the way, this is not just a message for salon owners and managers because oh, no. yeah. you know, leadership is not a title. Mm -mm. It's, not a, it's not a position. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. So you could be brand new working in a salon, but you automatically from the very beginning of your career, you know how to bring out the best in the team members that, that you work with on a daily basis. That's when you are going to soar. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Shop Talk Podcast brought to you by 124Go. I'm your co-host, Chris Sulemay. And as usual, sitting here with my great friend across the Zoom, Mr. John Palmieri. And surprise, surprise, man, are we psyched up about this one. So it's interestingly enough, typically I do a little bit of practice in the intro. I'm going to shoot from the hip on this one because we've got somebody online with us today that is an absolute industry icon. And while I will give Wynn Claybaugh an introduction, he probably doesn't need one for those who are listening. So before I do that, though, I just want to, we want to say thanks, Wynn, for taking the time out of your day to jump on with us. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure. And when you guys reached out, of course, I, I immediately said yes. I, I'm, in, I'm in that good mindset and, and habit of just say yes, just say yes. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I mean, I think it would be um, true to say that you were one of the first people that I ever knew in the industry to start to interview, you know, the, the heavy hitters, but more inspirational people, people that were doing some things. And, you know, you found a way back in the tape cassette day to figure out a way to ship a new tape cassette to salons you know, on a monthly basis where we would get a new tape cassette. And I, I remember having the collection. I may have some of those still in storage somewhere. And you were just sharing with us about your first ever interview being with Vidal Sassoon. And you said to yourself, you know, if he says yes, then <laughs> who, who else can't we get? And I'll, I, I have to say, um, even before I give any more of an introduction, you know, that all those years ago, I remember being inspired by that and thinking, I hope one day I get to be the person that interviews great people. And so how cool is it that we've that we've got you on? For those of you who don't know when, maybe you haven't heard of him yet um, because he hangs out in a different genre of the industry than you. Uh, Wynn's a co-founder of Paul Mitchell Schools. One of the, I want to say, one of the first ever business speakers that I ever heard of in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, and knowing that you came really differently from a business background, and I know you're going to share a little bit about your backstory, but I remember you saying something that, that I think resonates with salons that open up because they're a busy salon owner. I remember you used to say, we were successful by accident. And I think a lot of salon owners have an experience where they have accidental success for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden they realize, wow, I'm in the big leagues. If I want to grow, I have to learn some new things. And so through the years, many tape cassette programs also authored books. Be Nice or Else is actually sitting right here next to me. Was doing a little research before we got started. And you've been on uh, shows like Larry King. Uh, you've been called one of the top motivational speakers in the world. And so by people like Larry King, and uh, you just do all kinds of 
philanthropic work and um, have really moved mountains in the salon industry. So uh, you really uh, have affected a lot of people. And before we move any further, I want to say thank you for that up front. So thanks, Chris. It, it really is a pleasure. Before we started recording, uh, you mentioned uh, people like Michael Cole, mm-hmm. who was a huge, huge inspiration for me in the world of becoming a, a speaker. Just like you, I sat in his audience thinking, I want to do what he's doing right now. And I always knew that I had that, that, that talent, that gift of whenever I talk, people for some reason want to listen and hear what I have to say, mm-hmm. which by the way, then uh, had this weight on my shoulders of, okay, well, if they're listening, then I better, I better have credibility. I better know what I'm talking about. And so I, I worked really, really hard at making sure that the messages that I deliver are the right messages and that I stay away from the wrong messages. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you can visit social media now and people with so much power and so much influence are sending messages out that are, that are harmful and that are dangerous. And like a quick example of that would be like the Real Housewives, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, women with, they're beautiful and they have talent and beauty and, and money and, and influence. And, and what are they doing? They're, they're attacking each other. You know, yeah, they're, right. they're sending out a message that women don't support each other and, 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 and we're petty and we're all these things. And I just think, gosh, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah that's that much power. And, and a lot of people have that power and, and they're, they're really not using it in the right way. And so mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to use my platform and yeah. bring others along with me to deliver incredible messages of inspiration. And boy, do we need those now. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Well, um, I can't wait to dig into the rest of this conversation. When what we typically do is I'm going to pass it to John and he has a place he loves to start out. Lynn, thank you so much. And, you know, I love what you had just said about, you know, using, I'm going to call it using your powers for good and not for evil, right? There you go. (laughs) And um, I think that speaks volumes because you've got, you know, the book, which we'll talk about in a little bit, Be Nice or Else, right? Um, And so I'd love to talk more about that. One of the places, my favorite place to start is how people got into the industry. And you don't have the standard, hey, I went to hairdressing school. I love playing with my Barbie's hair. And this is what I wanted to do. Um, you, you went down the business avenue. You know, let's start there. First of all, you know, what was that journey? What, why did you choose that path? Okay. I, uh, I actually opened up my first salon in 1983. So mm-hmm. what, 38, 39 years ago. Yeah. And uh I had friends that were in the industry and I had some money that I wanted to invest. I always knew that I would never work for somebody. I don't know where that came from, but I always knew that I would open up my own business. And uh, so I had some money and they talked me into opening up a little salon. It was a a three chair salon. It was like the size of my closet. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, but we had some immediate success. And so I opened up a second salon and then got into the school business a year later. So in 1984, I opened up my first uh, school mm-hmm. and had a, a ton of success and, and happiness and a good time in, in the school business. But, you know, in the salon business, you know, everybody has a funny story. You, you, uh, Chris, you mentioned earlier that, you know, uh, we were successful by accident. Well, back then, you know, my, my rent in the salon, I remember this clearly, was $205 a month. I mean, you wow. know, so how... How much damage could you do if wow. your rent was only, you know, yeah. nowadays, you, you know, you, you, that's, that's unheard of. And of course, and so you, you better be on purpose and you better know what you're doing to be successful. You don't have that, that luxury. Uh, so I, I had some immediate success. Uh, people like Donnie and Marie are friends of mine. And so they, they were based there in Provo, Utah. And I remember we were open up maybe six months and we did yeah. this uh, before and after 
photo on of Donnie's wife. Um, so, and it was like on the front page of the newspaper, like a before shot and an after shot of, you know, then of course we were booked six months in advance. And then, right. uh, um, here, here's a funny story. So I'm not a hairdresser. I've never been a hairdresser. So I never went to beauty school. Um, but, uh, the name of the salon was called Von Curtis salon. Mm-hmm. My name, my middle name's Curtis. And so we made up this name Von Curtis salon. And so it happened all the time. People would call and say, I, I really want Von to do my hair. You know? <laughs> and, and so it, it happened because, you know, we had this really good reputation in the state of Utah, Miss America was coming through town and so her chaperone calls the salon we're the top salon she calls the top salon and hey uh, uh she's coming into town and, and of course we would like the owner to do her hair and i'm like okay tell me where yeah <laughs> so i did do miss america's hair i'm just telling you now that's <laughs> on my resume i'm not a hairdresser but i did do miss america's hair but and how did that 80s. and how did it come out well you know it was in the 80s it was you know the bigger the better and so i just ratted the hell out of it and put a crown on it and there you go look great I want to catch up a little bit there because that's such a great story. What I want to know though is, so you got some friends that come to you to say, women need a little bit of money. We want to open a salon. You said, okay. And then you stuck around, right? You didn't just say, okay, I'm going to go do something else. Why did you stick? I want to know why you stuck around. I had a blast. Yeah. It was, it was, it was, it was fun. It was this, it was this adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, to be surrounded by people that I loved and people that I respected Mm-hmm. You know, I made that decision that many years ago that I want to work with who I want to work with. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to work with who I don't want to work with, because, you know, I can ask an audience, how many of you had a job before that once that job ended, you never wanted to see those people ever again. And, you know, right. of course, almost every hand goes up. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I was working in my own salon, my own schools, and, and I was loving it. I was, I was surrounded by people that I absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. And then I was able to bring other people like family members and other uh, friends into the industry. My yeah. mom uh, started working for me way in the, in the very beginning. Obviously she's not a hairdresser. She was working in financial aid in my school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to tell you something. She's a, uh, she's 94. And a year ago, she, she left me this message, you know, Hey, when I, you know, I need to talk to you. And she's never left me that message. I'm thinking, right. oh my gosh, uh-huh. you know, what's going on with mom? And I call her up and she's like, you know, I've been working a long time. She's like, I, I think I'm ready to retire. <laughs> At 94. Okay, mom, you're, you're, yeah. you're 93. You, you can retire, mom. So yeah, so mom worked for me for 35 years. And I got to see a side of my mom right. uh, that my siblings did not get yeah. to see. You mm-hmm. know, they, they, got, they got to know mom as an amazing mom. Well, I got to know mom as this incredible businesswoman, as this yeah. really kind-hearted leader. And so, you know, th- those are the opportunities that I got to have in the beauty industry. And that's why I never left. Why? What was that leap like? So you, you open this business, you love the people, you, you're having fun. This is a great time. Hopefully you're making some money along the way. You're building some notoriety and you make this decision. You know what? I think I'll open a school. Where'd that come from? It was a, actually a quick decision because, mm-hmm. uh, we were expanding the salon. So open up a second salon and then a third salon all within like a 18 month period of time wow. or less. And uh, so I, I was interviewing graduates from the local beauty schools. Mm-hmm. And I can say this now because none of those schools exist anymore. But um, after spending a year in school, they weren't at all ready to compete in the right. salon business. Yeah. And I was, you know, how have you been spending your year in school? What did you learn? And, yeah. you know, back then it was you know, everybody wore scrubs and all mm-hmm. they did was shampoo sets. And so they weren't really uh, prepared. Yeah. And so when I opened up my school, 
a couple of decisions and maybe I, maybe people will fault me for this, but mm -hmm. I purposely put the school on the, the second floor mm -hmm. um, and there's no elevator. If, if you want to draw a conclusion to that, sure. Um, mm -hmm. Meaning the old ladies couldn't yeah, make their yeah, way yeah, up yeah. the stairs. And so you can't get up I the stairs. It, you couldn't get up the stairs. And, and uh, now I, I remedied that later on because I love old people. I want you to know. Um, but then I also put my school right in the middle of BYU uh, University housing. Yeah. And so it was all these young college kids who were on a budget who were looking to come to a great beauty school. And, and, mm -hmm. the, and the, the, the decor of the school and what the students wore and how they mm -hmm. were engaged and involved. And believe it or not, 80% uh, of my students were coming from out of state. Mm -hmm. Very, very quickly, within a couple of years, we were having that kind of uh, attraction. Wow. Let me ask you something else because it's something that caught my ear that I think a lot of people are going to want to know a little bit more about. You opened three salons in 18 months. Uh -huh. um, I know it's more complicated than the question I'm going to ask you, but how the heck did that happen? Uh, you know what? So I, I've, I've always known that I am not the smartest person <laughs> and, and, and that I didn't need to be. Mm -hmm. So I was always surrounding myself with really incredible people. See, I'm not the smartest. I'm not the prettiest. I'm not the most talented person. But what I'm really, really good at mm -hmm. is creating an environment, creating a culture that people want to belong to. That's mm -hmm. what I'm really, really good at. And so because I have worked hard for that, I attracted the best of the best. And so I was always having people. Uh, my, my, my favorite movie was Field of Dreams. And the mm -hmm. main line in that message is build it and they will come right so to, to be attractive means that things will come to you when mm -hmm. we work on our, our attractiveness and we can talk about that what makes yeah. us attractive when we work on our attractiveness you won't have to go looking for a clientele it will find you mm -hmm. you won't have to go looking for passionate hard-working loyal employees they will find you if you have created an environment that people want to belong to they're going to find you um what do they say? 50% of people who quit their jobs did so to get away from their boss. Right. And by the way, those who quit are not the worst stylists. They mm -hmm. are the best employees, right. the best employees. They quit because they know they deserve better. The mm -hmm. worst employees, they stick around because they know they're lucky to have a job. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I knew that to attract the best of the best, mm -hmm. the smartest people, the most talented people, mm -hmm. the most loyal people, I needed to build a culture that people wanted to belong to. And therefore they came to me and I was able to expand rapidly. You said one of my favorite words, which is culture, which we're gonna talk about in just a minute. I'm gonna ask you two questions and they may be the same question from, you know, okay. depending on your point of view. So help me out with that. One is if I'm a salon owner um, or even an independent and I'm trying to build that culture, give me two or three key points to building an important culture and is that the same thing from your perspective as your attractiveness or is that something separate? Okay, it's, it is the same thing and, and those are great questions. Uh, I'm gonna define culture. Culture is when two people come together, you have a culture. When two people come together, now there is a culture. We either decide what that culture is gonna look like and feel like, or it will be decided for you. And oftentimes what's decided for you is something that's toxic. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's a salon where, where uh, gossip runs rapid and, and people showing up late is okay and there's no professionalism and it's, 
It's almost as if there's 20 separate individual little businesses going on. There's no teamwork. There's no unity. Uh, does the customer pick up on that? Absolutely, they do. Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that happens. Why? Because they weren't purposeful mm-hmm. in deciding what the culture needs to look like. And so, uh, so, yeah, culture is something that we are very on purpose about. Mm-hmm. We make decisions. We have lots of conversations. By the way, we, uh, we meet every single day. We have a, a team huddle mm-hmm. every single day to talk about who we are, what we stand for, where we've been, what we've accomplished, what are our goals for the day, what's mm-hmm. our purpose for the day. And uh, that addresses what we call three basic human needs, which we can get into if you want to. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I, I, love, I love the direction we're headed. And, you know, John, myself and Brian Perdue, uh, guy that owns the salons that we work for, are actively coaching or working with a group of uh, 16 pros back-to-back weekends on zoom and we're, we're, we're covering things like leadership and culture mm-hmm. and and growth i i love you know you can talk to so many different people in the industry and get different approaches on things i love uh your use of the word attraction right i don't think you are meaning being the prettiest person in the salon industry i you know i think you're meaning uh creating a culture that people hear about they there's a mag there's a magnetic people want to be there if I'm an owner right now and I've been struggling to define my culture, or if I just don't get it yet, like what does this culture mean? Two people come together, great. What does it mean? What are some ways that I can take my culture in the direction that I want it to go? What would be some tips you would give there? Again, great question. And some people think that, well, because I have marble floors in my mm-hmm. salon that I've right. paid a ton of money for. Right. That makes me attractive. No, that's not what makes you attractive, right? Uh, right? So I actually, we will get into what are three basic human needs. Great. That makes a salon attractive. You know, when they do uh, surveys of employees working in any industry, not just our industry, but across the board, and they ask those employees to rate in order of importance why they're loyal, income is about number seven on that list meaning how much money a person makes is about number seven in order of importance. Now, does that mean that a person's income level is not important to them? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that other things are far more important than what you pay me, than what goes into my pocket. And and that includes things like uh, that my opinion matters here, right? That I have a voice, that 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 people appreciate me, that that we focus on Uh, gratitude. So to make it real simple, three basic human needs, people need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. People need to feel safe. And we could get into what that means and what that looks like. Second basic human need, people need to feel that they belong. Mm -hmm. You know that 60% of people say no one has my back. Mm -hmm. And by the way, half of them are married. Wow. Mm. Yeah. Now, can you imagine the opportunity that we have to create a culture within our salons where people feel like they belong? Right. Like I've I've had people sign up for my school and say, you know what? I never belonged in high school. Mm -hmm. I I didn't fit in there. I I signed up for college. That was not for me. That Mm -hmm. was a huge mistake. I did not fit in at at college. By the way, I don't even feel like I I fit in at my own at my own home. 
Right. I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm a, a member of that family where I, I contribute and where they appreciate me and where I'm loved and respected. I don't even fit in at home. But when I come to work every day, oh my gosh, when I come to school, this is where I belong. I remember after being in the salon business for a couple of years, this woman who worked for me in those first two years, uh, one day privately pulled me aside. And she said, when I want you to know that for the last 20 years, I have been in a very abusive marriage, but because of working here for the last two years, I now have the courage to divorce this man. Wow. And I was like, huh? Yeah. She's mm -hmm. like, when? I've been in this horrible marriage for 20 years, but now when I come to work every single day, I feel, I feel loved, mm -hmm. I feel respected, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm making a difference, that I, that I matter. And because of that, I now have the courage to divorce this man. That's awesome. And that was a huge wake-up call for me because mm -hmm. up until that point, I thought that my only responsibility as a business leader was to create a space where they come in to earn a paycheck. Yeah. And what she taught me that day was the responsibility that I have to create that place where people feel safe, yeah. People feel that they belong. Yeah. And then the, the third basic human need is people need to have a purpose. Mm -hmm. we're, not, we're not just here cutting hair. Right. Yeah. We're not just here selling shampoo. We're doing so much more than that. You know, Chris, one of the things we talk about is we, you know, have this level system within our salons, yeah. right? We have our newer staff who've got, you know, a lower price point and some of our senior staff, they have a higher price point. You know, I'm thinking the same thing is true of our retail selections. Well, it's true. I mean, we try to brand ourselves in a way where all levels of guests who come into the salon, whether they prefer to spend more, have a bigger hair care budget, right. or they have a lesser of a hair care budget, that mm. we're always trying to find a way to suit all of their needs. Yeah. One of the things that's been really obvious coming to us is that nowadays more and more and more people are trying to find a way to not only have a great relationship with their partner brands, but to augment their own personal brand. And so we recently ran into a great solution for this. Yeah, the Genesis brand has been something that we've been, you know, got our hands on and been playing with here at the home office and some of our stylists have been playing with it. And it's really been a great fun experience. Yeah. A nice product. Really nice. A hundred percent. So what Genesis is, is actually a private labeling company started by guys that have been in the industry for years. It's mm -hmm. a family owned brand in which you have the opportunity to take a product, a high end premium product and put your own brand logo on that. What do you think the benefits of that are, John? Well, the benefits are, you know, immense in that, you know, first of all, this company will help you design and market your product. You know, the second thing about the Genesis brand that we like is that there's not a whole lot of SKUs here. You I mean, yeah. there's only like 12 products, which yeah. is great. You know, and because of that, it's not a huge buy-in. You're not having to spend $20,000 to, you know, pick up the product and add it to your salon. But, you know, we love our brand partners. We love the people that have supported us and helped us grow our salons. 100%. And at the same time, how do we reach this other little market? Right. How do we reach these other people that, you know, are still looking for a quality product, you know, and in that grow our company and our brand and who we are? Totally. Yeah. Branding has definitely become the thing. So, hey, listen, if you're wanting to join the movement of private label branding, it's, if it's something that you've been interested in, but just not sure how to find it. Yeah, contact these folks. They're yeah. amazing. Yep, Genesis Private Label. We've got the link in our description below. And if you use our link, you actually get 
50% off of the cost of the sample kit. So they'll send you a sample kit, click the link below, you save 50% off of that. You get to try the product out, take a look at the packaging and kind of fantasize and imagine what your logo would look like on the Genesis private label packaging. Check them out. Listen, they promise to build your brand, not theirs. You can see it and really feel it in everything that they do. Yeah, try it out. Tell them we sent you. The, the two and three, I, well, I think for most people, we get that, a sense of belonging, right? Love that purpose. You know, we, we know what that means. I want to talk about the safe word a little bit, right? Okay. Because I think there's more to that than like, you know, the boss is big enough at the front desk. If somebody comes in, he's going to have to protect me. What do you mean by safe? What do we, because that was number one on your list. It is number one on my list. One of my mentors uh, used to say that every business needs to be a front for a church. And when she said that, she wasn't talking about religion. Mm -hmm. She was talking about, you know, a church, not religion. A church is a place where people go and that's where they feel safe. So mm -hmm. I can be who I am. Okay. Um, to give you an example of what does not work in the salon environment, uh, if there is gossip in a salon, mm -hmm. do I feel safe? Right. No. no. No, it's, it's, it's us versus them. It's everybody against me, whether it's the reality of it or it's my perception. Uh -huh. You know, if you're, if you're gossiping in front of me, that means that when I'm not there, you're also gossiping about me. Uh -huh. and, and therefore, I don't feel safe. And right. when people don't feel safe, it's, it's fight or flight. Uh -huh. um, so I, I have this joke, this uh, salon owner is given a tour of her salon and the person asks, uh, so how many people work here? And the salon owner responded with, oh, about half, about half. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. When it, is that actually a joke or? Is it <laughs> well, it's reality, you know, because yeah. again, and the reason why that can happen is because people don't feel that they are safe, mm -hmm. right? So, so yes, I'm, I'm here, mm -hmm. right? You've engaged my time. I'm, I'm, I'm here for one thing and one thing only, and that is a paycheck. You've yep. engaged my time, but you haven't engaged my passion. You haven't engaged my heart, my creativity, my teamwork, right? You haven't engaged those things. And so I'm, I'm here at five o'clock, I clock out and I'm out of here. Yeah. You know, we did this, um, you know, I used to be the director of our of education for our school. Um, until I got moved over to the salon side. So I, I they clearly- you, They 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 got rid of you, they moved- No, moved, I, I, I like to think I did a good <laughs> enough job that they figured they could move me and I could have a greater impact. At least that's what I tell myself at night, right? <laughs> but um, but I, I get that piece about, you know, we would interview students when they first come in. And our, one of the first classes we talk about is the core values of our school. And the amount of people that, that we interview that say, I don't know, I just walked in here and I knew this was my place. I knew this is where I belonged yeah. is huge. Here's my question to you. You've been doing this for a while, right? Um, do you think there's a, you know, we talked about the three human needs. Do you think that there are different needs regarding student cosmetology students now than there were say in 1984, 1985, you know, or do those, those still are those three basic human needs still the thing that you know that trumps everything else i think that they are, have not changed the three basic human needs have not changed 
-hmm. you know, obviously the, the, the generation of today, which we need to embrace, we need to learn about, we need oh, to absolutely. engage them. We need to understand them. Mm -hmm. and, and by the way, a lot of people, my age, I'm, I'm, I'm in my sixties, you know, that you ask the average 60 year old to, Hey, t tell me about this new generation. Oh, they're, they're entitled, they're lazy. They're, they're, <laughs> right. And I refuse to believe those things because what I have learned and experienced from them is that they are the catalyst for making some amazing changes, mm -hmm. right? You know, I, I, I was raised in the generation where you compromise your health, your family, or your spirituality, everything to make, to make money. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, right. So I, I never see my, my family, but Hey, I'm a, I'm a good provider. So yay. Good for me. Mm -hmm. And this generation comes along and says, you know, can I work four days a week? Cause you know what? My time away from work is important to me. Yeah, it's when I, I volunteer for this organization every single Monday. I want to be with my friends and my family. I want to mm -hmm. make a difference. I want, I want private time to have balance. Right. And yeah. we're like, well, I walked 10 miles in the snow to do a haircut. Well, good for you. I'm not going to do that. Well, I think that we need to embrace that. Mm -hmm. We need yep. to embrace that because they're the catalyst to bring some balance that is so needed, not just to that generation, but my generation mm -hmm. needs that balance as well. Yeah. That's interesting. One of, um, I want to say one of your other tape series that I remember listening to years ago, you were talking about balance and how we, you know, how we struggle for balance and, you know, in a in coming off of a year that's been as crazy as last year was. Um, and are you in California when am I am I right about that? I am. I'm in Southern California. Yeah. And so uh, you guys maybe had it rougher than everybody uh, as far as in the salon world being closed and, you know, uh, unable to work in that. Um, what does balance look like for the for the 40 something, 50 something, 60 something owner who's who's trying to figure out, look, John and I spend a lot of time with people, you know, in that age bracket and we're both pretty good learners from them. We, we look at them and we go, looks like they got a point. I mean, she looks <laughs> way happier than I used to look when I was 27, right. And opening mm -hmm. the salon doors at 8am and closing them at 10. Um, a lot of that was fun too. But as we learn from them, uh, how does somebody that's been, doing the old way for so long embrace that and how do you do it profitably if you're a salon owner how do you make those adjustments and what are some if i could best business practices for engaging this group and and giving them a great place to work you know i get asked a lot you know when how can i become a better leader and oftentimes my answer is uh quit smoking right mm -hmm. join the gym mm -hmm. fix your marriage Sign up for a cancer walk, because if you're not focused on those areas of your life, you're losing credibility as a leader. So, so quit thinking that your future success is based solely on you, because first of all, that's exhausting. I mean, you know, how, how many more years do you have to do you want to work 10 hours a day, six days a week? Mm -hmm. See, my 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 success, my current and future success is not based solely on me. Is based on all the people that I'm able to attract. And so when I'm able to attract incredible talent that, that want to stick around, they want to be a part of, of that umbrella that I have provided for them. Well, then that means that as a leader, I need credibility. And that mm -hmm. credibility comes from um, I'm fit. I get eight hours of sleep every single night. I'm a good dad to an to a eight-year-old little girl. I'm the room parent for her classroom four years in a row. <laughs> uh, 
it, it's, it's those things, right? Because again, if my life was falling apart, if my marriage was falling apart and I was an addict and I was all kinds of things, you know, you better believe people, people can't follow that. And people are looking for, whether we realize this or not, you know, you guys know this, you know, people, students in your school, well, that's, mm-hmm. that's mom and dad. Yeah. You know, you have now replaced mom and dad. So, mm-hmm. so they're looking for people want heroes and they want leaders and they want mentors. I know that I do. Mm-hmm. Right. I was I, I spent a, a good hour this morning on Clubhouse listening to some of my heroes and my mentors. I, I, I'm tuning into podcasts mm-hmm. all the time. That's what I listen to. It's so easy nowadays. And so we're all looking for that. Well, you know, rather than thinking that you need a salon remodel, maybe you do. I don't know. But maybe you are the one that needs the overhaul mm-hmm. as the leader. You're the one that needs that credibility to make yourself so attractive and you know, you're, you're asking the question about engagement, and that's a great question as well. I, I could certainly share with you some of the mistakes that people are making as well when it comes to why people would not be loyal to them. Why, why do they want to leave them? You know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's old school thinking that if you want something done right, sure, yep. so. you have to do it God, yourself. I was thinking that yesterday. I was literally that's thinking so that yesterday. Minded. <laughs> I'm exhausted. If I yeah. have to do it myself, I'm tired. I'm done. Yeah. I don't want to have to do it myself because collaboration is such a beautiful thing when you yeah. know how to bring out the best in the people around you. And by the way, this is not just a message for salon owners and managers because oh, no. yeah. you know, leadership is not a title. Mm-mm. It's not a, it's not a position. It's an attitude. It's a mindset. So you could be brand new working in a salon, but you automatically, from the very beginning of your career, you know how to bring out the best in the team members that, that you work with on a daily basis. That's when you are going to soar. Because if you are the smartest, most talented person working in your salon, working in your school, in your company, I feel sorry for you. Because mm-hmm. that, that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. We, want, we want to bring out the best in other people. Right. Love that. And it used to be the goal. You know, it used right. to be the goal. I, I, I have a very vivid memory of um, a time when I knew it was time to sell my salon in, you know, 2013. And I remember standing at the shampoo bowl at 8 a.m. and watching my staff start to stroll in at 9.30, you know, and thinking, and then standing at the shampoo bowl at 8 p.m. and watching them stroll out. And the thought occurred to me, that I was the one that the joke was on. It, it just <laughs> occurred to me like, yeah. oh shit, they're leaving because they don't want to be me. Like they don't want to be successful. Th- th- what I thought was supposed to be successful. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that success has a different definition. I guess I just want to ask off the cuff, what's, what's your definition of success now? Well, it absolutely changed when I became uh, a dad. I, I just, oh, now I'll get emotional. I want to be a good dad. Yeah. I, I want to be, you know, the person that wakes up my daughter every single morning at six o'clock because she's got this built-in alarm clock, which, mm-hmm. by the way, means that I'm up at 4.30 and we can talk about why that happens. But, yeah. you know, at six o'clock, I'm the, I'm the first person that she sees in that morning and and it's, it's hey, sweetheart, this is going to be an amazing day. It's my job to teach her how mm-hmm. to start every single day that way. That's how my mom taught me. Today's mm-hmm. going to be an incredible day. 
-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was a choice. She, Mm -hmm. she taught me if it's to be, it's up to me. I remember as little kids, you know, if it's to be, it's up to me. And I want to teach that to my daughter. And so for me, success is that I'm a, that I'm present Mm -hmm. as, as a dad, I'm present in, in what that looks like. So, but you know, beyond that, um, yeah, money is important to me, and there's no reason why that can't be part of, of what you want to accomplish in life, but money can't be your purpose. Mm-hmm. It cannot be your purpose. It's the byproduct, but it can't be your purpose in life. And my, my purpose beyond, again, being a dad is, um, is to use my influence. I don't want to just consume. Mm-hmm. We, we, we consume air. We consume water. We consume trees. I don't want to just consume the paychecks of all the people who, who come and get their hair done in my salon, right? Mm-hmm. I also want to be a contributor. And so being that contributor means I want to be a good uh, citizen. I want to give back. I want to be philanthropic. Mm-hmm. I want to be alive and aware of issues that impact uh, the students who attend my school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have to learn about all kinds of different causes that maybe I wouldn't necessarily be attracted to or be aware of, but because it impacts them, well, then I better, I can't take their $20,000 tuition dollar right. uh, without having a good understanding of what impacts them on, in their personal life. And so, you know, if I may, can I ask what your daughter's first name is? Sophia. Sophia. No, oh, it's my niece's name. I want to come back to Sophia for a minute because yeah. You just told us a lot of things in regards to, you know, not wanting to be just a consumer, right? Just taking all this stuff in. I'm going to assume, and, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to assume that you spend a good part of, at least the early part of your life, you know, building something sustainable, whether it was the salons, whether it was the school network, et cetera. And then Sophie came a little bit later in your life, right? And I just heard you talk about sustainability and not wanting to be a, a consumer, is Sophia the driver for that? Did you have that before Sophia? Did I want to know how Sophia made a, if a change, or did she just illustrate maybe things you already had thought? You know what? She, she absolutely uh, was the catalyst for some real hardcore, quick changes in my life. Mm-hmm. I need needed changes in my life. You know, not that, I didn't have a beautiful life, but, you know, prior to Sophia coming along, I was on the road 250 days a year. Mm -hmm. So if I slept in my own bed five days a month, that was a lot, you know, but nobody suffered in my absence. There was no dog. There was no fish. There was no plant. Mm -hmm. There was no daughter that was suffering because I was on the road. Uh, So when she came along, it, it automatically, immediately, instantly, and especially because she's a, a, a little girl, very different. You know, what do they say when there's a, when you have a little boy, you only have to worry about one penis. I have a little girl, so I have to worry about all of all them. Of them. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, it, it changed my my priority and my focus, and uh, so I immediately uh, I, I moved my office to my home because I again I didn't I didn't want to miss anything. I didn't yep. I didn't want her to miss out on anything. So, you know. Um, her, her parents, I, I'm, I'm the first that she sees every single morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the last person that she sees every single night between, you know, her two dads, I, mm-hmm. my husband and I. Uh, so we're, we're present all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so 
capturing that balance for myself was incredible. That didn't mean that I don't go to the gym anymore because I still go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Again, I need that energy and that balance more than ever before to try to keep up with her and everything that she needs as she grows up. So it, it just brought about necessary change and balance. And, and I'm grateful that I did have a good 20 years on the road, again, 250 days a year, because that's what built my name and built my career and gave me the credibility and the power that I, I now get to enjoy in terms of, of influence and making a difference. Uh, but, it, but it was time to, to then have better balance. It was mm-hmm. time to, 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 to stay home and, and focus on things that had been uh, ignored or uh, were not my focus for, for many, many years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's, awesome. it, what's it like to be 61 with an, a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old? I mean, it's the... Well, I've, I've, I've always heard that my whole life, you know, oh, when you're such a little kid. And I know that sometimes people are like trying to put me down as they're saying that, you know, mm-hmm. oh, you act like such a little kid. And I'm like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've always you know, like the fact that I was young at heart or that I related more to little kids than I did to, you know, don't, don't stick me at the, at the adult table. I want to be at the kids table. Yeah. Um, that, that's where I'm going to have fun. That's where, where I'm engaged and, and, and happy. And so I, I've always uh, been that way, which is probably why I'm, I'm great in the school business as well. I love, love, love students. I love that next generation. Mm-hmm. I love that, that humility and that, that sense of, adventure and everything's brand new and everything's a possibility. And so you get that with students and you get that with your own children, with little mm-hmm. kids. And so, so I, I, I've been young at heart, um, but I, I'll be honest, you know, yeah, I, I still work hard to, to keep this level of energy, but I oftentimes say to my little girl, you know, sweetheart, I can't keep running up and down the street with you. I can buy you anything you want. Okay? Cause, cause, cause daddy's rich. Daddy's worked hard his whole life. So you right. came along at the right time financially. Yep. Uh, but in terms of daddy's uh, uh, energy level, maybe, uh, you know, I can't keep up with the dads of all of her, her little friends who are 30 years younger than I am. So That's awesome. I know I, at her school, again, I've been there. I, I was the room parent for pre-K again for kindergarten for first grade and for second grade. And uh, by, by the way, I'm proud of this. Out of all the room parents in the entire school, I was the only dad, me and a bunch of wow. moms. Yeah. Made me want to start drinking again, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, when... uh, but I was proud of that. I was proud of the fact that, and, and most of them thought that I was her grandfather. I'm sure they did. They didn't, yeah. I'm assuming they thought that. I don't know. When I see that picture in the background, it's the I, I, iconic Paul Mitchell photograph. Uh, of a haircut yeah. um, it's a great photo you obviously have this you're part you know developer of the Paul Mitchell schools so you had these salons you've got your own schools w- why did you team up with Paul Mitchell why them they started hiring me at around the year 1989 soon, mm-hmm. soon after the man Paul Mitchell died uh, the company the brand the product company started hiring me as as a motivational speaker and, mm-hmm. and I traveled all over the place but not, I wasn't exclusive to them. I, I mean, I, I was still doing a ton of work with the Sassoon company and, mm-hmm. you know, David Wagner and Van mm-hmm. Council are good friends of mine. And so the Aveda company would hire me a lot. And, you know, and by the way, I'm, I, I'm sharing that because I'm proud of that legacy. I'm proud mm-hmm. of the fact that I never wanted to have a career that was exclusive, mm-hmm. you know, so that if you're in from one brand and I'm from another, well, then we're enemies and I don't want to talk to you and I don't right. want to share my ideas with you. I've, I've never uh, believed that. I've never had a career like that. Like that. Mm-hmm. I've always uh, 
been engaged with as many different companies and organizations and brands as possible. And, um, but because I had done so much work with the Paul Mitchell company for so many years, mm-hmm. and it was always a goal of John Paul DeJoria and the man Paul Mitchell. I, we, I mm-hmm. saw a video of Paul uh, saying on video that his dream one day was to get, to get into basic cosmetology schools. So that was always a dream of his. And so when it was time for the company to move in that direction, because John Paul was familiar with me and, mm-hmm. and uh, because I had had uh, a very successful school by that time for you know almost 20 years, uh, he said, let's become partners. And I said, cha-ching. <laughs> I said, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the, we did a podcast a little while ago. I think it was Gina Bianca, who yeah. was talking about core values and culture, et cetera. And she said that she... I think if if I'm paraphrasing correctly, she didn't really have any core values or at least one she didn't recognize, but she went to a Paul Mitchell school and she got some and she was always grateful for that experience because it gave her values that she could build off of. Right. Um, I, 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 I'm going to get from your feedback below that you're happy to hear that. Right. I'm, I'm emotional to hear that. Really? You know, that's, that's what we want. You know, if they said, oh, she, she graduated the best hair cutter on the planet. Okay, cool. That's good. Yeah. You tell me that she graduated a better human being. Wow. Thanks. Yeah, that's what she said. Uh-huh. Wow. What is it, since we talked earlier about culture, and now we're here at the Paul Mitchell schools, right? What is it about that culture? What I, I want to know, what did you do? Well, um, we have this philosophy of one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And what we mean by that is we don't care what your size is, what your color is, what mm-hmm. your religious political affiliation is we don't care how old you are how young you are we don't care what your background is we don't care you know every everybody belongs here and Mm -hmm. and that's not just a statement and a poster on the wall we work hard for that and so you know when i tell you my school owners have been through all kinds of trainings so that they understand um the life struggles that our students go through i mean Mm -hmm. because you guys know this that by the age of 19, 20 years old, sometimes they've already dealt with homelessness, addiction, self-harm, mm-hmm. uh, rape, abuse, all kinds of things. And if yeah. we don't understand what, what they have been through and, 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 and what their current life situation is like, then I don't feel like we have the right to be taking their tuition dollars. And mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't want to just take them in, take their tuition dollars and say, you know, you know good luck. So when they, when they come in, I want to make sure that they absolutely feel like they are loved, that they are accepted, that this is the place that they belong. And so we have all kinds of uh, traditions, just like a family has you mm-hmm. know, traditions, you know, you grow up with traditions. This is why we're strong as a family. Mm-hmm. This is why we still love each other. This is how we celebrate as a family. Mm-hmm. This is how we acknowledge each other and how we respect each other as a family. And I grew mm-hmm. up in a family of eight kids. So we absolutely needed to have those traditions and those systems as a family unit uh, to make sure that we got along and that we were all healthy and happy. Well, the same thing applies for, um, running a a business, running a a salon, a school, any kind of a business. Mm -hmm. You know, when I started writing the book, be nice, it wasn't going to be a book. It was, it was a system. It was, it was a system, a manual for our culture in our schools. That's what it was originally designed for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meaning, and and in that book, I, well, talk about all kinds of things, you know, self-esteem, you have to be nice to yourself Mm -hmm. before you can be nice out there. 
uh, about the importance of giving back and, um, you know, systems for communication, because, you know, if we're not communicating, I believe that when there's a challenge in the salon, it's not because you decided to become a jerk all of a sudden, mm -hmm. it's because we're not communicating. And so communication was a, a huge, big part of how we trained people. Mm -hmm. um, so all of that, eventually, uh, I had some friends that said, you know, this is good stuff. Why don't you turn this into a book? And then Larry King said, if you turn this into a book, I'd love to write the foreword for the book. And so awesome. that's how it came about. But the foundation of our schools is all of that stuff. It's the, it's the be nice culture. Yes, we're proud of our cutting and color curriculum and makeup curriculum. Mm -hmm. What we're really proud of is the culture. It sounds like you're getting all three of those basic human needs uh, safe right? Belonging, purposeful, all within that location. Is that, would that be fair? Oh, that's, that, that, that's very fair. And I, and I can very, I can be very detailed of exactly, it's not just a belief system, but mm -hmm. it's, it's practice. Mm -hmm. You know, love is a verb. It requires action. There has right. to be behavior here. And so I could tell you exactly what it is that we do so that people feel safe, what we don't do, what we avoid so that people feel safe. Uh, I can tell you exactly what we do so people feel like they belong, exactly what we do so people feel like they have purpose, that they're making a difference. You've said more than once what we don't do, what we don't do. That seems like it's an important, like it's not just what we do, it's also what we don't do. Um, talk about that for a half a minute because you, you mentioned it more than once, so I'm thinking there's more there. You know where that came from is, is uh, in my own personal journey, it wasn't so much that I needed to learn more stuff. I needed to, I needed to unlearn a bunch of stuff. Mm -hmm. I needed to unlearn some, some belief systems and some behavior that was limiting me. And so uh, as much as we focus on what we all need to do along that journey, there's things that we need to stop doing. And so if, it, if we were talking about personal uh, growth and improvement and, and, getting that credibility as we, as we talked about earlier, so that we're good leaders and mentors and, and teachers. Um, it, something as, as simple as stop watching those TV shows, you know, stop, stop in, engaging in that behavior. Uh, stay away from those kinds of people. You know, I, I've been, I've been drug free for 19 years. And when I made that decision uh, to be drug free, could I still hang out with the people that I had that drug lifestyle with? No. Now, did I stay away from them because I was judging them? No, it was because I loved myself enough to stay away. Mm -hmm. And so if we're talking about don't do this, it's, it's, it's stay away from these people. Right. Stay away from people because my, my favorite line in that is that people who have abandoned their dreams will try to steal yours. Mm -hmm. So we talk to our students, who's trying to steal your dream? Mm -hmm. You know, how many of you, and I'm sure if you ask your 80 students, you know, how many of you, when you made the announcement that you were going to sign up for beauty school, how many of you had friends and family members trying to talk you out of your fantasy? Right. And almost every single hand would go up. Mm -hmm. And so it's just, uh, that, that's what we mean by recognizing behavior and systems and belief systems and practices. And some of them can exist for 30, 40 years in a salon but they are destroying that salon's culture. Mm -hmm. You need to stop doing those things. Mm -hmm. 
um, a good friend of mine calls it addition through subtraction. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's a, you know, it's a principle that I try to hang out with myself. Um, I wanted to know, John, I'm thinking about doing a quick lightning round with wins since I'm, I'm looking at the time okay. and I, I knew this was going to happen just because there's, there's so many more things I'm sure we could ask, but, um, and you've, you've already hit on a few of them. Um, just, you know, naturally through conversation, um, shows your congruency and your message and your commitment. And so that's awesome. So when, what I typically do is just throw a topic up and let you go at it. And, you know, just to be super transparent to the listener, there's so much that Wynn could cover. He sent us a few bullets that he loves to talk about. And what we like to do with guests uh, is give them the place where they hang out, you know, where they're sharing, where they're passionate about, so you can get the most out of them. And so a um, couple of things, we have, we have multiple things in common. My dad's 89. He's in a, he's in a memory care facility. I get to spend time with him and it's just amazing. And you talked about, you said you love to talk about aging with dignity and what maybe aging has taught you. You know, uh, and this is interesting coming from the place that we're all in the beauty industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, our society values old wine, old buildings, old artwork, the one old thing that we don't value is uh, old people or even our own old skins. Like mm-hmm. people all the time say, oh, I hate getting older. And I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Because the alternative to getting older is what? Dad, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I tell people, change your language. Quit saying, I, I hate getting older. You need to change your language and start saying, I love getting older because it's what you want. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be dead, right? right. You, you want you want to get so I love getting older, and my parents were great mentors for that. My my father died seven years ago at the age of eighty nine. My mom, as I mentioned, is is ninety four. She turned ninety four a month ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, they celebrated seventy one years of, of That's marriage amazing. for them. Wasn't that great? Yeah. I, I know people who can't keep it going for 71 days. I mean, <laughs> 71 years of, of kindness and humor and romance and yeah. all kinds of things. But, um, you know, for them, growing old was was hilarious. Here, here's what's interesting with, you know, this generation of today. You can Google all kinds of facts. You can't Google wisdom. Mm-hmm. So I love getting older because I don't know about you guys. I, I, was, a, I was an idiot at 30. <laughs> I was an idiot at 40. I, I, mm-hmm. I was kind of an idiot at 50, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I like the fact that as I get older, it comes with wisdom and it comes with, you know, being a little easygoing and uh, it's not a big deal. Don't sweat the small stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I, 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 when it comes to aging, yes, even in the beauty industry, we need to embrace the fact that that age Getting older is absolutely beautiful, and we need to embrace that. Love Love it. it. Uh, Second topic, and because, you know, there has been a lot to focus on. One one of my favorite topics um, that you might have been the first I ever was introduced to it on and and took your – uh, took took your words at heart, and John will tell you I I very rarely listen to the news. I did get a little caught up this year because there was a lot of negative programming. There was a lot to talk about. You could argue it was it was fun for a minute until it wasn't. Um, you've you know advocated against negative programming and kind of watching the doors of your mind, if you will. I'm kind of saying that, but um, give us your thoughts. I'm very energy sensitive. 
And what I mean by that is whatever I take in, it will absolutely affect me. Uh, you know, I, I, I tell this story that I'm, I'm in Las Vegas and I'm in line at this buffet and I'm happily going down the line, putting food on my plate. And this woman next to me, this total stranger is like, ooh, this, this place sucks. That, that looks terrible. I'm not going to eat that. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. So I, I start to put food back and I'm, I'm thinking, Wait a minute, where are you? <laughs> right. Like all of a sudden I turned into her. I turned yeah. into this negative food critic Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I was so happy to be there. And so mm -hmm. I know that about myself. So I know that I need to stay away from things. And, and I, I divorce myself. I, I, my mom says that when I was a, a little kid, if somebody was, was gossiping or saying mean, nasty things, she said that I would just, I would start to hyperventilate. Like it literally has this negative physical reaction to mm -hmm. me. And I just, I know that about, I, I've never seen violent milk uh, films. I don't, I've never seen any of the Friday the 13th or whatever those scary movies are. Ask people who know me. I've never seen any of those movies. I, I just know who I am. I know what it takes for me to get out of bed in the morning. Uh, for me, happiness does not come naturally to me. It does not to this day. I have to work and, and earn and deserve every ounce of happiness that I have. And I have a lot of responsibility on that because I'm, I, I'm a dad. And so I just, I just stay away from all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I stay away. And, and by the, I, I can relate to what you're talking about because I, I was starting to get sucked in a little bit too, you know, with, with uh, the riots at the Capitol. And I'm like, okay, who are these people and, what, and where'd they come from? And, and I was starting to get sucked in. And I, and I found myself skipping over an Instagram post about a teacher who gave his entire check to his classroom for them to buy school supplies because their parents were unemployed. I skipped over that news mm -hmm. podcast or, or message to, to, to get back into something negative. I'm like, wait, wait, what did mm -hmm. I just do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was sucked into the negative where I no longer cared about the good news and I stopped myself there. I've got two more little bullets. Quick, you know, I know you you mentioned it that you put down the drugs and, um, you know, I I don't I don't share too often on this, but uh, I'm four years back around as well. Uh, certainly alcohol drugs were not a good thing in my life, but um, sobriety sounds like it's near and dear to your heart. And it's something you like to share about when you can. I, I, I do like to share because. Um, again, that's a <laughs> that's a topic that I get emotional about because of pure, pure gratitude. And I'll, I'll say it was pure grace that I'm still alive, that I'm, that I'm clean, that I'm, that I'm sober. Um, I feel like the best leaders and mentors, again, are storytellers. I loved it. Maybe it was before we even started recording that you said you love storytellers. And I, I agree. And I relate to that. Mm -hmm. It's not so much about preaching doctrine. Don't preach to me about why I should stop doing drugs or, or, or stop drinking. Tell me a story, yeah. right? Be, be transparent and honest. And I, I've, I found as I tell my story, as, I, as I'm open and transparent and honest about my own journey with sobriety, um, it gives people hope. And I feel like at the end of the day, that's my job because somebody can be completely down and out and it doesn't have to be they're down and out with drugs and alcohol. They could be down and out with life itself, completely down and out at rock bottom. Mm -hmm. But if there's a tiny, tiny glimmer of hope, okay, we have a chance. We mm -hmm. could do something with this. Mm -hmm. And that's what I feel like we get to do. 
you know, we, gosh, you guys are making me emotional. We get to sell hope. And mm -hmm. I know that when I tell my story of sobriety and, and what I struggled with and how I got to where I am today and how mm -hmm. I, I'm now celebrating 19 years and how I still every single day, I tell the story every single day, there are two or three people that I connect with every single day about sobriety. I support them and they support me. And mm -hmm. even if it's just two seconds, how are you doing today? What's going on today? Um, and I tell those stories and I know that that gives people hope. You know, That's one of the things that Chris and I will often say is we, and we firmly believe this, is that hairdressing saves people's lives. And we don't say that to be trite. I mean, we honestly both believe it in regards to it gives people a place to belong, you know, going back to your three, your human needs. It is a place of safety for many people. It is a place of belonging for many people. It's a place of purpose for many people, whether you come into the industry as a service provider, right? And it's a place of belonging for you, or whether you come in the door as a customer and find a place of, of solace, a place of belonging, right? A place of building self-esteem. Um, you know, we had did a, a previous podcast with somebody who had um, talked about how when she was younger, she always felt kind of insignificant. And one day she decided to, to dye her hair black. And she was in high, you know, a young kid. And I was like, why did you do that? You know, what was the, what was the impetus behind that? She says, it just gave me power, right? To dye my hair black and take that control over my own life gave me a sense of power over my own existence that I didn't think I had before. How awesome is it to give it that gift to other people, right? And so I love your piece about sobriety. I love that piece of hope that we get to give others. And, and thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that it does, and I have, I have one more in the lightning round. Um, the, the other thing that it does is, you know, when I could look at you, you know, from across the screen with the beautiful image behind you, and I can tell you're in your office and I know there's a bunch of stuffed animals back there. Cause you told <laughs> us your daughter owns the place. Yeah. Um, and I can say, I'll never be able to get there. You know, I'm, I'm just 18 years old or I'm 23 or I feel like I'm stuck in a situation or I have secrets. Nobody knows I've been using or nobody knows I'm in an abusive relationship and, and nobody's going to get it. You know, nobody's going to understand. And, and I, I can hear that from you and go. So he felt like I felt. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, you mean with all the success that we talked about, the salons growing, John Paul DeJoria offering you a school partnership, cha-ching, you know, with all those things, he had down times too. Well, then if, if he's had that and walked through it, then maybe, maybe I can too. And maybe my goal just to be a six figure stylist or just to feel better about myself, or just, I wanted to shed a couple pounds. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can do that. If he can do this. As Chris, and you know, I just share with you, that's something we really think is, we really noticed it at the school, right? And you've mentioned that, um, seeing students who are victims of rape, um, abuse, um, live in their cars and yet still manage to find a way to come to school every day, right? It's, it's huge. So, you know, thank you for that. Wynn, let me ask you this. What's next for you? What's happening with, you know, your partnership with the schools? What else are you working on? What are things that are really important to you as you move forward? You know, I, I feel a... Uh, uh really blessed. John Paul and I and Angus, my other partner, we feel really, really blessed in the school business. Uh, we have not closed down one school through uh, COVID. Wow. So we're, we're, we feel like we're, you know, we're the good guys. We're going to over deliver. You tell us what we're, we're supposed to do and we'll jump through those hoops and then more. Right. So we, we feel like we, uh, 
we we deserve to to continue moving forward. Yeah, believe it or not, um, COVID hit right in the very middle of our annual fundraising campaign, and yet my school still raised and donated over nine hundred thousand dollars. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so I, I feel like we worked hard to deserve to to stick around and to and to, to, to be strong. So not only have we not closed down any schools, we actually um, added a couple of schools. So organically, so to answer your question, organically, our Palm Mitchell school world is still growing and we're still adding additional uh, locations. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just, uh, prior to, to COVID, I bet I did maybe one horrible podcast and Zoom classroom. And now I've done hundreds and hundreds. And so um, I am going to get a, a different backdrop, though. I want you to know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we like the backdrop. I'm going to work yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Here, I, I'm sure if I uh, pivoted, uh, you can start to see. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have to keep it real tight. That's oh, why. my gosh. <laughs> um, apologize, guys. My computer just decided to restart. Um, and my final, my final question, first of all, I wanted to give a shout out because Tina Black hooked us up. Yep. Um, and one of my and, favorite people on the planet. And yep. she, you know, is amazing. And she podcasted with us a few months back. And, you know, I thought, God, who do we know that knows great people? Tina mm -hmm. Black knows great people. And <laughs> she Tina yep, knows great people. Does she ever? And she reached out to you immediately. And uh, uh, we appreciate her making it happen. That said, uh, final question philanthropy you're you're enormous into giving back it's it's been something that you've always seemed to have done even before the paul mitchell world even before like giving back i remember catch someone doing something right was a mm -hmm. big yeah. end phrase for you i guess i want to know you know if i'm in the salon world now do i have to be huge to be philanthropic how can i enter that world even if i feel like i don't even have much right now you know, the billions and billions and billions of dollars that are raised and donated to charity, to nonprofits, uh, the majority of that comes from tiny, tiny donations. Everybody thinks that the big bucks are coming from big corporations, big donors who are given a $1,000 or a million dollars, and that is absolutely not true. Uh, the majority of money that is given year after year is given by people like you and I who are giving $5 or $10 or $100 here and there. And so, so for people to think that their $5 or $10 or whatever they're doing to raise money and raise awareness and, and give back is not substantial and does not make a difference, then you know, it's time to educate yourself about that. But even if we were approaching this from a business point of view, so if it was a, a, somebody who's in business thinking, I want to be more successful in business. I want the community to support me more. Uh, I, want to, uh, I want to have more loyal customers. Um, what do I need to do to get there? And, and I would propose a philanthropy because there's a thing called Generation G. And by the way, the G stands for generosity. So this generation is not defined uh, by your date of birth, but by the growing importance of generosity as a business mindset. And the good news is that there are incredible studies and statistics out there about why being a business that is just as concerned with putting money back out into the community as you are with putting money into your own pocket is good for business. In fact, uh, they say three out of four people say it's very important to work for a company that does good. 
So think of all of your employees. They're, they're looking at you. It's like, yeah, we're making money here, but what else are we doing? You know, I show up to work and we're working 10 hour days in the salon and we're selling a lot of product, but do we have a purpose? Really? Are we, are we, are we making a difference, right? Mm -hmm. Nearly half of your employees are willing to work for less pay for a community engaged company. 40% say they would work longer hours for a socially responsible company. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I love this, that 86, 86% of Americans say they are likely to switch from one brand to another brand, from one company to another company that is associated with the charitable cause. And so even if you were just looking at this to build loyalty with your customer base, your customers want to know, okay, I'm, I'm paying you a hundred bucks for a haircut, but what else are you doing? You know, are, are, is your salon involved in recycling? Are you feeding the homeless? Are you signing up for cancer walks? Are you helping to, to support uh, survivors of sex trafficking? Are you building clean water wells? Are you volunteering your services to cut hair for uh, the first responders? Like what else are you doing just besides taking my money? Right. And it's important that we answer that question. Love it. When uh, we've got everybody from 18 to 30 years behind the chair and beyond listening, uh, any last words you want to leave us with? Yeah, just uh, you got to love what you're doing. You know, to be successful, you have to love what you do. You have to love who you're doing it with and you have to love who you're doing it for. Meaning if, if, if you love making money and there's nothing wrong with that. And if you, you love doing hair and you might love your customers, but if you act like you don't love and respect your team members, then you're missing a very important aspect of what it means to be successful. And, and whatever success you do have will be fleeting. It will go away. And so again, you have to love what you do. You have to love who you do it with and you have to love who you do it for. And once again, love is a verb. It requires action. action. If you yeah. love your team members, well, then you show it. If you love your customers, well, then you got to show it. And if you love the beauty industry, you have to show it. And often, often ways how we show it is by, is by giving back, making a difference in the lives of other people. Every time we have one of these conversations, I walk away with a little bit more than I knew before I came in. And I love that about these podcasts. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, we also walk away with a lot of gratitude to our listeners. You know, we, we, we're watching those listens go up. There, we, we hate to ask, but we know there's a few things we need to ask for. I don't hate asking. <laughs> Not even a little bit. Hey, for those of you who haven't heard me ask before, five-star reviews. You got the phone in your hand, it's down by your lap. I don't care where it is, but it's not that far away from you. Five-star reviews. You know you want to do it. You know you love this podcast. Share it with the world because every time you create a five-star review, an angel gets his wings. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. And while that angel's getting his wings, it helps us move up, um, you know, and helps us get more noticed in the podcast world help share the message. And if you're really being served by this, which we hope you are, um, you know, we'd love for you to share that with some other salon owners. The other thing we're going to ask you to do is to follow us on Instagram at 124.go as well as Facebook. We're going to get more active on our Facebook page. And so if you're a Facebooker, then uh, follow us on Facebook at 124.go. And um, if you're a grammar, please tag us in your stories and we'll do the same uh, in hours. So thanks again for listening, everybody. We will see you on the next episode. Bye.